You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. All right. Well, that sucked. We suck again. Ah. The, I guess the, the question we'll be asking is, does one, does this game undo everything else that came good that came before it? No. This game makes you but one of the worst. Kind of. This ga- think, game yeah, made you I'm one of the worst summer league teams. Not really, <laughs> but kind of. Yeah. yeah. I, like I want to say no, but I'm, uh, but I might say yes. Um. It was pretty bad. Um, we're going to welcome in uh, Jimmy and Joe Sway, who were not with us last time. Um, I was in the chat, though. He, he was there. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy's in the chat. And uh, we have uh, Bobby and Sherrod, uh, I think, is going to be joining us from Summer League. He stayed the duration. Uh, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. He must be uh, a corpse by now. Poor Sherrod. He's loving it, man. He's built for this. Uh, well, his forehead, his forehead's yeah, not. Him. I saw him after about 10 minutes outside one day, and I was like, what's going on? His forehead might not be built for it. There's a lot of perspiration. So for those of you who stayed up and watched this whole debacle, uh, you know, it was pretty gross. Um, And, uh, you know, again, it's summer league. We can't do the whole – we can't overreact to summer league good and not mention some of the stuff that happened tonight, which, you know – wasn't great uh you know and, and among those things was uh you know peyton pritchard being taken to homeschool uh he was backpack and everything Big backpack time. went went Big time Bull Bull right back. they packed Bull his that, lunch pb and j around the house and he sat down at the kitchen table for history class neesmith looked again it was a bad neesmith i mean his shot was just off he went back to just jacking contested threes. He wasn't finding his shot. He wasn't getting to the lane. He wasn't getting he to was, his spots. He was a turnover mess too. And turnover, yeah. just an absolute disaster. Maybe the worst. I, I the stats in this game were, I mean, hideous. I mean, twenty-eight turnovers in a forty-minute summer league game. Oh my freaking god! Half the Kings' points almost were off of turnovers. It was an ugly game. But I mean, the turnovers. What that's 
quintessential Vegas league. The things that we'll talk about in this game were the performances of the guys we've been praising along the way, and that's Pritchard and Neesmith, and we'll get to Romeo later because I – Much later. I, I don't know. Well, we can't make we can't it out. Energy, John, John might have an announcement later. I will. About Romeo. I'm going to – I got I to calm down. It's a good, um, team. It's a good team. We'll see. I, I might hey. have some. I might have some things to say. But so let me let me preface it by this. I put I put an article in our chat earlier today. It was an article uh, Sam Vicini wrote over the Athletic, and just talking about he did his all. You know, he was basically saying these are players who are too good for summer league. And atop that list was Peyton Pritchard, and he was talking about his poise. You know, uh, his assist to turnover ratio, the way he was shooting, the way he was creating, and just looked like he didn't belong here. And Neesmith was an honorable mention. He was like, you know, not in the starting five, but right there, and mm -hmm. basically saying. But the point behind it was how important it is for second-year players to dominate in Vegas. Rookies, you can understand being up and down, but the second-year players that tend to dominate are ones who go on to, you know, and that translates into what they do, and he had some empirical evidence to show it. And the ones who suck or the ones who still struggle and the game is still fast for them tend to kind of struggle and continue to struggle, and many of them end up not really ever being able to pull it together. So it is important. We talked about it at the beginning dominate and game they one yeah yeah and they and they didn't you know Pritchard did Neesmith did not then Neesmith had a nice string of games then they both sucked again tonight and again it's just one game but it was frustrating to see against a Kings team that's not like loaded I mean the, the Celtics half of their roster these guys have NBA contracts they should the be Celtics were seven point favorites and they should be stomping people but uh Pritchard got absolutely worked tonight and Neesmith looked horrible horrible and so it's hard to not talk about it and sure it's just one game but you would have liked to see them ride that momentum through into this game and into the championship and keep the good vibes going and instead it's a step back so we're going to talk about it yeah I mean I think that's a good way to put it it's a step back especially because you didn't see them make the judgments you know like you saw the defensive scheming from from Sacramento they made their adjustments and it was Pritchard right you know whether it was you know getting him into the double team or just adding constant pressure on him it clearly affected the Celtics' offense, and then no one else was able to really step up in there. I mean, Carson Edwards had a couple of streaks going throughout that first quarter. I know John had seen about enough by the second quarter. He was done with Carson. But <laughs> I, I thought that some of those shots, you couldn't rely on those. Even those mid-range, you know, when he comes to a complete stop, and you listen to these commentators like, oh, yeah, you know, he's a, he can really get going on offense. I'm like, yeah, but those aren't the shots that you should rely on because if that's the case, they're not going to fall every single time. And I think that was the concern for me. It was their approach. You know, after such a successful run up until this point, like, how do you not make those kind of adjustments? Yeah, okay, sure, you haven't seen that sort of defensive pressure before, but these guys completely collapse. I mean, I, I think that's a bit of a concern when you look at guys in particular, Neesmith and, and Pritchard. I mean, Pritchard, if you ask me, the whole summer tour, all this extra playing, it didn't do him any favors for this one. You know, clearly he was outworked. He had to really have his stamina together to keep At up. At least in the, the travel, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, you, plus you add the travel. I mean, this is a congested schedule when you look at it all, all together. And, and, you know, for him to be traveling back and forth like that, you know, I, so you, could, you, could, you could say that for, for his case. But for Neesmith, I don't know, fellas. How, like, how are you guys calling this? Well, I, I mean, text, it just didn't on, say on, on the Pritchard thing, I'm going to actually say, I'm going to. 
I'm going to commend Pritchard for coming back because I think like we pressured him into coming back. He probably should have just stayed he away. Himself. No, I think he pressured himself. I think he heard the noise and it was the championship and he exactly. wanted to come play and he wanted to be exactly. part of it and he did. I don't think he needed to. That being said, I still don't think he – it wasn't awesome that he left and Jimmy has his take there too. But um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Bobby. But I, I wonder, like the Neesmith thing, I feel like kind of like – Celtics Nation willed him back to the, for this game, and uh, and it didn't go well. Pritchard, yeah, he 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 did look exhausted with the defensive pressure he was getting at the second quarter, and then everything was live ball with him, which is really bad. And that's why I do think this erases some of what we saw, especially from him here, because his goal, his emphasis coming into this was controlling the ball, the pace, and um, playmaking, and he failed pretty badly in all three facets here in that sense. So. It wasn't great. I thought he started chucking once it got a little tough out there for him. Yeah. He airballed a few. And that was just not a great response to the pressure he was facing there. And again, this took on extra stakes because of the championship. And I'm sure they were feeling that too, to some degree, because he did start to see Pritchard hyping up the plane ride back in. And then Neesmith, like really wanting this one for in the championship sense. The Kings, by comparison, were just playing more like well, this was just another summer league game. And they won this the way they have all the other summer league games. So address this comment here. Is it burnt out or did he meet an NBA level defender and he just couldn't get around him? Cause I, I think it's the la I think it's, I personally well, this, think it's more the latter. This is a really good defender. This might be the best defender in the draft in Davion Mitchell. I mean, this guy's a monster. This guy's like Marcus smart coming out. So he can, but he can shoot. What, what made it tougher for Pritchard was that he had to put forth the same energy on the opposite end. And he, I mean, yeah, he, he worked them. You know, I mean, Tavion worked them for sure. So it's to me, it's a lot. It's a few things. I think it's both of those things. I mean, I think that you know him. First of all, if you want to go back to when they announced that he was leaving the team, I thought that was weird. I know I think I might be in the minority. Uh, I just I've never seen something like that before. When when they said he he had he had a he had a you know something already planned prior and an excused absence, I just assumed like his twin sister was like getting married and he was you know in the wedding and all this stuff. I didn't know that he was going to play a pro-am against If the there was Dillon. something going on to the Celtics player's sister, Bobby would have known about it, Jimmy. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I should have just gone straight to Bobby. <laughs> but shame on me for not for not going straight to Bobby for that one. But I was what's, wrong. What's going on, man? It was actually, you don't even know if he has a sister. <laughs> well, you would know. And, and in my opinion, you know, you're in the NBA. This is your team. I under, I, And I don't know all the details about this program. Was it for charity? Did they raise a bunch of money? If they did, great. But I just thought it was kind of weird that he would leave his NBA team playing as well as he's been playing, considered maybe the best player in the in the summer league, to go play against a bunch of, like, nine-to-fivers and then, what, puff your chest out because you dropped 90 points against, like, a carpenter and a plumber and like all these former, uh, you know, high school hey, basketball players. Hey, hey. No offense Jimmy, to anybody who's in that I, game. But I, I, I'd say the ones that could, that almost made it, no, or could have made it. Okay, but know, but they but if they them, were really it. good, if they were really good, they'd probably be on one of these summer league teams that Pritchard was at least carving up in that time. So, I you know, fun that he went and scored all those points, but to, you know, John says I don't think he needed to come back. He damn well did need to come back if his team ended up in the freaking summer. I'm saying once he game. left, it was over. The deed what? was done. You well, know, he probably didn't listen. Once he left, he, they probably didn't think they were going to be in the championship game, and that was going to be the end of it. But once your team's in the championship game, you better get your ass back on that plane. And you know what? If you're going to go, if you're going to suck out there because of it, 
then stuck out there because of it. You know, that was the yeah. choice that you made to leave the team to begin with. So I think he had a little, maybe a little humble pie tonight, you know, with a, you know, NBA caliber defender coming in and, you know, he's not able to put up, you know, 50 shots and, you know, do whatever also, the hell he wants. They like game planned him. They were blitzing him. They were doubling him, you know, like interesting. Yeah. They, they went at him for real and he had pressure everywhere. So they were like, it was not a typical Vegas game where they actually game planned for what the Celtics were going to do. And yeah. they were putting a lot of pressure on Pritchard um, to not let him kind of, you know, get moving and get going uh, to create there. I'm, not, I'm not just mental. Yeah. yeah I'm obviously exaggerating like the competition and, that's pro am i know that they weren't a bunch of just like regular people i know they're better they're, than you and me jimmy they're exactly no, but they're job. not they're but they're job. not they're not summer league not even summer league level players so it's just weird you're leaving your nba team you're leaving your teammates you know you, you know we were talking about pritchard has kind of taken on this leadership role and i'm not saying he's not but it was just to me a little strange timing and i just you know yeah. and, and and maybe it came back to bite them maybe it did yeah i'm with you on that jimmy i think it's a little strange and the Sacramento Kings, you're thinking the same thing, right? You're thinking, oh, okay, Pritch is feeling, feeling himself a bit. He went off. He's he's announcing on Twitter, hey, guys, coming back for the chip. Tuesday, some right, elite right, kick. Right, right, right. Here I am. You know, fresh off the 90-plus <laughs> game, fresh off the 50-plus game. It was a game. big announcement. Look out. Like, if you're the Kings, <laughs> right. I'm in the locker room or wherever we're hanging out. You, you see this guy right now? Like, he's, <laughs> yeah, like, he's what's really going on? feeling himself. Like, he's really coming here to – Take the chip. Let, let's show. Let's show him what time it is. Like yeah. that's exactly what well, the Kings did. Well, we have to. We have to show some respect for Mitchell because he. He. Really I love is, that guy. He has a. He had. This right. isn't just. All right. He went up against standard NBA defender. We're gonna see very quickly this year that this guy is gonna come in and be one of the best defensive guards in the league right away. Yep. Uh, so it wasn't. I don't want to say an extraordinary challenge, but it was. A, this wasn't just your run of the mill summer league defender coming out here and just putting a little more pressure on him. This guy was giving everybody trouble across the summer league. The Kings went 5-0 and for a reason here. So, like, yeah, you do – so it's a little bit of both, right? Like, he came here to raise his game as a ball handler and as a distributor, so you don't want to see it be an absolute disaster if you go against a tough matchup here like it was. But you also do understand a little bit the level of competition he was going up against here in his individual matchup. So – like the, I think Pritchard made progress here, and I don't think there was. I don't think it takes away from all the progress we've seen of him because I do think there'll be no, certain matchups. It does. There'll, there'll be certain matchups in a regular season schedule where I think he'll thrive, but it does remind us that this is the kind of stuff he had trouble with last year the point guard duties, the pick and roll, those kind of things. And even when he was thriving earlier in the week, I still said he wasn't a maestro in the pick and roll he was shooting and scoring he was doing the things we saw him do last year he needs, so, to, he needs to hit 30 plus i mean we were commending his range we weren't commending him blowing by guys and yeah the hoop and all this stuff we were commending his hitting 30 footers so yeah. he, he, he does, didn't and look he, he didn't do anything in summer league that would inspire trust in him making a spot start at point and which is really like what he struggled to do last year no he, he didn't Aaron brad stretch uh trust in that sense and he's got a lot of lot of lot of shimmy and a lot of shake but it doesn't always result in like they said he's not getting by nba level defenders with that stuff he's able to kind of you know he, he's a confident ball handler but he's not able to get where he wants to go all the time because of that that being said we did see him take it to the basket uh you know a fair amount last year so I, again, I still think he's, you know, I said it in game one. I still thought he was 
a little slow to me and a, a little out of shape. I don't think he's played his way all the way into uh, game shape yet. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what he's like uh, into the season. As far as the absence, we, we, talk, we talked about it. We joked about it. My stance on it is, yeah, I, it's a strange ask. You know, Jimmy and I are kind of aligned on this. Sure. It's not the end of the world. It's Vegas Summer League. You had a prior engagement. You wanted to do this thing. And he played but, four games just but like it's, Romeo. It's or the he played kind more of, than Romeo. <laughs> yeah, it's the kind yeah, well. of thing where you go to your boss and you're like, can I do this thing? And they're like, I guess. And you're like, cool. And you run out the door. But I like, prefer you don't, but if you really want to, then go you, for it. If, okay. it's <laughs> if it's something you feel that's important, you know, it'd be great if you right. stayed, but if you feel it's important, yes, thanks, bye. And he ran, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, but right. you give him that face, like, this is weird. You know that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And he did it anyway, and they're like, eh, whatever, right. you know, and let it go. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to fun. know how they, I'd like to really know how everybody feels about it. We never will, and they'll all say that it's fine. I just, yeah. I'd like to know if I'm just being, a, if I'm really wrong in, in my assessment, or if I just, if if it was, if, if his teammates and coaching staff was kind of like, Probably Please. depends yeah. on how you well, going up. It's going up Portland and play. Well, it depends a if a bunch of other guys have similar. Even, yeah. Or, 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 or even this, Jimmy, right? Like, you, you're like, okay, all right, do your thing. You're, you're not quite sure what it is. And then you go on Twitter one day. You see, you know, he dropped fifty plus. You're like, wait, right? right. That's why he left. It depends. That's that's the thing. It's the lack of transparency and the fact that it was dropped late. That was odd. Um, That makes it odd. And also, it's only an issue if one, the team didn't really want him to go, and we don't know that. Or two, if um, there's a bunch of other players who had a who had their own shit going on, who were like, I'm not gonna ask if I can leave. That's that's ridiculous. Right. Most of the crosses just trying to make the league. Yeah. But how many how many players in summer league are like, would they rather? be doing something else probably a good amount of them right so i mean i'm not yeah. the ones who the are guys, fighting for the a guys roster who were in spot position again pritchard was in a place where he could do this so he well, did it what i didn't love is um well, love, I again like you're acting like pritchard's lebron james like he's yeah, in a position where he can do this what has pritchard think, earned yeah. what has pritchard earned one thing that he's earned summer league summer league star i can't I help but think i've learned higher off that I saw guys in the hallway just hanging out, having a good time. And again, they were there. They were with their team. So it is different. But you play a couple games, then you just hang out, sit back in your cool clothes and relax. That's what guys do out there. Especially uh, look, guys with. All right, fine. It, I'm it is not, what it is. I'm not prepared yeah, to make it a big to make a big stink about it. I just thought it was a little weird. That's all. Yeah. I, I, and I, I'm with you with that, Jimmy, because I, I feel like he, he's sort of he, – he was into his own hype, you know? He, he's just reading those lines that some articles are saying, oh, you know, these are guys that shouldn't be here technically, but they're here anyways. And Pritchard was one of those names that was mentioned. I mean, maybe he bought into that. A bit. And again, the, the context the context that he was killing is important too because he reached a point where he probably didn't yeah, have a ton Bobby, of But Bobby, that's what you're supposed to do, man. You're supposed yeah, to kill so he went out there after, and did. After your rookie season. That doesn't mean you don't belong there, you know? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, sometimes it, it does. It, it, I mean, Grant Grant didn't go. <laughs> well, okay, but that has nothing yeah, to do with point. Yeah. Pritchard went and he was tearing it up. Like, well, if I'm if it, I'm Pritchard, uh, I'd rather be playing on ESPN and, and like tearing well, that well, up. I mean, Halliburton didn't play, and he's a year two player, right? Is he hurt? No, he mm. just didn't need it. He just didn't need it. So I, I don't care. Like I said, if to me it would have mattered less if they just said we're shutting Pritchard and Neesmith down. It was just odd how it came about. I think all of those things, but the lateness of it, like the prior commitment without saying what it was and that it yeah. was it was dropped at the very last minute, made it seem like it was kind of like, hey guys, is it cool if I duck out? And they're like, sure. Uh, oh, he he had yes this three months ago. We forgot. Yeah. Oh, the other thing was like <laughs> the Romeo. The there Romeo was in the inbox. 
The yeah. Romeo night off also was dropped. It. Yeah, the the Romeo night off was also dropped very late. And then um, this news: uh, Romeo's uh, wrist um, also dropped very, you know, uh, you know, right before. We've had two. We've had two off days here. Um, and you find out. Did Yam play tonight? No, Yam. Uh, Yam's like going to Serbia and never yeah. coming back. Um, yeah, hope you got a good look at him. But no, um, words, no, no, he didn't play. No, but the Romeo thing is is frust- Like one again, dropped minutes before the game. You wonder how serious it was. Maybe it was close to playing, and they're just like, ah, screw it. But this is what bugs me with this story is it's his right wrist, and anybody who remembers is that's the right wrist that he had surgery on, cost him to leave the bubble and to miss the whole first few months of last season and basically destroyed his season because then he got COVID, then he came back, then it was basically a completely lost year again. Uh, And so now he's got a sore right wrist. Jimmy thinks it might be on that dunk um, that he had earlier, right? The baseline one. Yeah, big dunk. Immediately after the report drops, a whole bunch of people all report at once that it's not related to the – uh, wrist injury. Okay, so fine, yeah, whatever. Surgery. Yeah, not not the prior injury and the surgery. Okay, and I guess we believe that. I don't know. Clearly, somebody wanted to get that information out there and told a bunch of people. It's not the it's not the surgery. Don't worry about it. Okay, it's still I, the we, same. It's still the same area. It's the same wrist. Okay, we've yeah. seen this before. It's like I it's said. Like, it's, right. I joked about it, like the Kemba Walker. They tried so freaking hard to dance around it last year when when he was experiencing knee stuff, and they're like, "It's it's not really the same issue as the knee. It's just around it, and it's bugging him a little." No bullshit. It's just it was the knee. It was the same knee, right. and this is a wrist that he had surgery on, and now he sprained it. And again, the mechanism for spraining is probably different than whatever he did to hurt it. But you don't want it's just you just don't want any more setbacks for this guy. Uh, and who knows the significance of this one, Uh, but I'm beyond frustrated. I I don't even know what to do next with this guy. I really don't know what to do. Well, are you sitting on the fence right now? Are you going to, are you going to commit one way? I wouldn't go all the way. Or are you, are you cutting ties? The reality of, so here's the reality. I actually don't like Romeo, and I never really have. But I, oh I want God. him, aren't you, John? That's some M Night Shyamalan oh, twist right there. But, but, That's M Night right there. <laughs> but I want Romeo to be good because I want them to hit on their lottery picks, and it would be better if he was good than if not. So I wanted to give him every opportunity to show something, and every single time they do, he just fails all the time and it's really hard to see a world in which he's not this guy i i I don't know how you see it he comes to summer league with a full off season and he's meh he skips a game for whatever reason this is i don't understand what it is he doesn't go out there and he doesn't dominate ever even for stretches he has one or two highlight dunks and then bang here we go uh another little injury here like i just don't know how much longer what we're holding out for at this point no i never knew what we were holding out for even the four we talk about don't say we don't say we i mean yeah i i just I just don't see a high level in terms of what we look. Like I've never seen it. I just wanted to see if it's possible. Like because last year I didn't want to see. I would have rather seen Romeo fumble around than see Semi out there because you're 
Romeo theoretically has a higher ceiling. It's not that he's a better player at that moment in time, but see what you have. And if you have nothing, move on. That's yeah, always what there, I wanted to it do. It depends there. what your expectations are going to be at this point. Cause he could end up being a starter maybe, you know, with his defensive pedigree and stuff like that. Yeah. The Portland I, I, think, I think maybe, I think Sherrod's about to join us. If I think John, his offense shows, I think his offensive potential hey, is extremely hey. limited. And I think we've seen enough to realize that, you know, like I think there isn't great separation. <laughs> He's played 50 games and had three points or less than 35 of them. I counted out today. Like this and the shots. Okay. Like he could be an average three point shooter, but if he's only taking two to four of them, it's not going to end up being a lot of offense for you. Yeah. Um, Sherrod, <laughs> we've moved on from the game and we're on to Romeo and, uh, oh. I, <laughs> I, I'll get back. Yeah, to, we'll, came in a good time. We just started on Romeo. We'll get back to the game because you were there. What a you know s show that was. Sherrod's been in <laughs> Vegas this whole time. You look surprisingly dry, my friend. Is it a cool one out there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's like it's a nice it's a ninety. Ninety-five. It's cool 95. You do get cool used 95. to it fast. <laughs> oh, I, I hate putting you on the spot because I don't know if you know any more than 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 uh than what's been reported, but um are we to believe I, I hate these reports where it's like, you know, oh he hurt his wrist, but it's not the surgery. Take me at my word for it. I don't know. Sure, fine, maybe. Do we think it's a minor injury or is there any concern here? Because again, this was an injury, this was a wrist that he had surgery on that he missed significant time with. I think when it comes to Romeo, every injury is a serious injury because we've seen there's a track record. It's, there's a long ass list of receipts showing his injury riddle career that's relatively short here in Boston. It's so, uncanny. I, am I am I worried that he's not going to be able to like play at all next season? No, but will am I concerned that he'll miss some time at the start of training camp or regular season? Absolutely. And even if it, even if he's let's say it's not significant enough to where he can't practice it's still to some extent going to minimize or limit what he can do in some respect. And whether that's going to manifest itself in less playing time, we don't know yet, but bottom line is this is par for the course with Romeo, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 You know what's too? Also, this is a, he's in danger here, right? I mean, the the show goes on. There's guys that, that are eager to take his spot, talented enough to take his spot. And if we're talking about Romeo, realistically trying to lock down a, a spot in this rotation moving forward i mean sure it's really <laughs> early but you can easily see after the last two years that he could easily fall behind in this one especially after well, the, other uh, guys are getting better i mean and you got a couple of free agents now in, in front of him you know so right we'll right and, and the pecking order is stacking up against him against and if you're not that's... showing your ability to continue to elevate your game and, and earn minutes no one's going to wait for you to get healthy. I mean, and that's the, to right. me, that's the sad part because when Romeo has played, he's looked pretty good, but we're only getting snapshots. We're only getting glimpses of that. He does, he hasn't been able to put it together for an extended period of time because he hasn't been healthy enough to do it. And and again, as I said earlier, this is just par for the course for him. It is. Remember, but we, we, are, we had a big conversation. We set a great goal this year would be 72, 82 games. Just as a four. That's not going like, to happen. Listen. Well, listen. <laughs> Great goal would be 82 yeah. games. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could you could you say that. <laughs> no, but never mind. 82 games for his career would be a great goal at this point. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I think the if you're putting the over under at 72 games for him, I think 95 percent of people will take the under. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, taking the for under. Sure. I mean, think of it like this though. Think of it like this. 
I mean, every year you get, what, 50-plus new players that come into the league, which kicks out another 50 players. I mean, where is this guy ranked? And, and you know, he's got to be pretty far down the damn list at this point. I mean, if you're the Celtics, you got to be thinking, like, how long can we hang on to somebody who can't well, even get on the he's, court? He's dangerously cr- close to becoming Romeo Langford's contract and not Romeo Langford. For sure. Which is just going to be, well, how do we yeah. get rid of this $5 million? Um, and Because I don't want it on the books anymore. They're going to decide his uh, team option. By, his uh, team uh, option is, com- is coming up soon. And you would have never thought you would punt on a lottery pick this quickly. But... I, this is I, I mean, maybe it almost never happens in year yeah, two. Player. I mean, it's not gonna happen. They'll pick but, it up. But, They'll but pick it that up. That being They'll said, the fact up. that you were even talking about it is, you know, explains how bad it is right now. Yeah. I mean, think he 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 lost his he lost his self-proclaimed only fan. A couple two shows ago, John Zana said he was the only Romeo Langford fan. The and then we come to find out the biggest twist of all: John was never actually a fan, and that's why we said. If John's your only fan, you're in big trouble. He'll turn on you in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened two shows later. I can't anymore. I can't do it. I can't. I got a couple shares of Romeo stock still left in, in the bank, and I'm just holding oh, on dude. to it. Oh, dude. Maybe, maybe That's like an OTC stock. Oh wow! They yeah, won't even let you hurt. buy. They won't even let you buy that, that stock anymore right now, dude. It's, it's too volatile. That hurt. I'm not letting my Romeo stock go just yet. I got right, a couple right, shares right, left. Right, 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 right. What about your? They need to. They need to be. Uh, How's that picture stock looking right now? I still Pink got that certified. I'm not giving that up. Good. Good. I, I'm, I'm keeping my. But here's the thing that, about this game that jumped out to me: Sacramento has good length, af, athletic guys on the One perimeter, and and let's be honest: when you hear about a dude drop 92 in a pro am league. You coming to lock his ass up first chance exactly. you get. You're coming in with a different mindset, a different <laughs> edge, a different. I gotta get. I gotta put this kid in check because he can't. He's not dropping 92 on me. Right. And it was well, clear that, from the jump one. that Sacramento played with a different edge. That is so true. Whenever he got the ball, and I, I can't yeah. be mad at him about that because if it were me, I'd be the same way. I absolutely would have been the same way. Um. So. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not really rattled one way or the <laughs> other about you know, him not having a good game. They started sending him the doubles and the traps. They were doubling him. They were trying. They were I mean, blitzing him. I mean, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't know better, you would think that 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 was like Jason Tatum out there running a point, or <laughs> you know, Kevin Durant, or or just like a, a, an established superstar. The way that they were just absolutely doubling him like that. I mean, th- there wasn't even any hesitation. And Pritchard, you know, I I think it's fair to say didn't see that coming. Uh, and I don't think he handled it as well as, as he would have liked. Now, Coach Missoula said after the game that, you know, that's on him. He's got to put him in better positions to be successful. And that's great for your coach falling on a sport like that. But that has enough. To me, that was irrelevant. Pritchard was getting blitzed, and he didn't respond accordingly. Yeah. If It would be one thing if they did it every now and then. They did it pretty damn consistently. Yeah, and he right. never adjusted his game to that, in mm-hmm. part because – those guys are long, they're athletic, and you can't really do a whole lot other than give the ball up quicker. But here's the thing. He didn't do it. And, and so, uh, to me, I, like I said, I'm still keeping my Pritchard stock, but uh, this, was not a, this was not a good night for him at yeah, all. Yeah, and you're right. No, it, It's under normal circumstances. He's never going to draw that much attention. And it, right. So there's two things. In an NBA game, you're going to face these types of defenders all the time, but also you're never going to get that type of attention where you are the focal point and the other team is like, I'm not letting that guy beat me. That's obviously not going to happen um, yeah. with him playing second unit minutes uh, in the second quarter of a regular season game, you know, that's uh, against the Knicks or whatever. That's, that's just point. not going to yeah. 
he's not going to run into those like, problems. So yeah, right. Yeah, what what he was doing before when he was finding success is still transferable, which is good. But ultimately, the the shortcomings he showed tonight, and again, we talked about at other points. There, there wasn't an immense level of growth in the playmaking and the pick-and-roll action of his game. That's still stuff he has a lot to work on. Even though he was thriving earlier in the week, it was off things we've seen him do before. It was kind of the same formula for him. So yeah. there's, there's a still another level he's going to have to reach at the point guard position. Yeah, because I, I thought there were a number of occasions where he turned a ball over trying to execute a pick-and-roll play where he's trying to make a bounce pass when he should really just throw it over the top. Or he's mm-hmm. trying to – He had a tough time getting over the top on some of them. Right. Right, and and so th- this was a this was a game where just the things that he needed to work on and get better at were exposed. Uh, yeah. his, his pick and roll execution was really really uh, poor tonight. I thought. Um, I don't disagree there, and uh, it, it, you know it's not sure, bad. To, I, it's not bad to eat some humble pie from time to time. Sure, I, I we we touched on this briefly. I just want your opinion on: Did you or did you not think it was kind of weird that Pritchard left? summer league to go play in the pro-am no i it wasn't weird only because he t- they obviously talked about this well in advance uh no i know but like do you think it's but, a weird ask by him i think it is yeah i do think it's a little weird okay and here's how i, I kind of rationalize that my job is to be an nba player mm-hmm. my job is to get better in the offseason I'm not sure dropping 92 on, on in a pro-am league is going to, frankly, speed that process up. But I do know working with my teammates in Vegas, working on my game, becoming mm-hmm. a better pick-and-roll player, that, to me, yeah. I, I I probably wouldn't have done it if I were him. But, again, there, there are factors that he obviously weighed in that decision that we don't know about. Right. Uh, and, frankly, I don't, I don't care about because, again, at the end of the day, <laughs> summer, summer league is, is just part of your, your process. It's part of you getting better. But I would have liked to have seen him here for the full, uh, you know, run. And y- y- people are certainly going to you know, draw inferences to the fact that he's playing great. He goes away. He drops 92. He comes back. He has his worst game yeah. in summer league. Kind of like it's uh, – no, finish. Sorry. No, yeah, and it's just, I mean, it, there's, this, it's hard to not draw a correlation between those factors, which are just facts. But, again, like I said, I'm still keeping my Pritchard stock. It's going to rise as we go through time. <laughs> this is just one of the little little valleys that we got to ride this out. But that's the thing. It's the weirdness of the ask that Jimmy and I keep coming back to, which is, like, yeah. you're a second-year dude who hasn't really done anything yet. Like, it's an awkward thing it's an awkward thing that's the part that bothers me because i I feel like it's almost like the whole buying into the i'm i'm too good to be here you know two games is enough three games is enough it's like well wait a minute like you can want to be here regardless so yeah i I can't imagine a world in which i would do that like in a new job you know like and feel like comfortable like hey i'm kind of low on the totem pole here but can i do something that no one else is doing is that cool Like it was my vacation no, day, like yeah. immediately. I think the context, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, Do I have any vacation days me, yet? But I, I can't start for two months because I'm going to Europe. And then <laughs> yeah. I, and then when I come back, I can start in November, but I've got a wedding in the second week of November. Yeah. And then a planned vacation in December. After but after that, I'm good. <laughs> I know a guy who did that, actually. <laughs> I've well, had people who've done that. 
Well, yeah. again, this is no I longer keep, working at that company. This is why I keep coming back to Toronto. And, and you're sitting there as a boss, and I'm like, I mean, I guess that's all right, but are you fucking serious? You know, like anyway, well, go ahead. Un, this isn't unheard of even in this year. Maxi, you know, checked out of that Celtics game on Saturday and went to do a camp. There's other guys doing this. And then if you look across the board here at the summer league, what are the best players doing? They're in their seats. They got their chains, their shirts on, their whole, their whole get up, and they're just chilling. You play a couple games, you do what you need to do, and most guys what, take Bobby? a game or two off here. It's just here's, that he left. The, but here's the thing, though. You you mentioned you mentioned Maxi, who frankly has a clear and established role with his team. So whatever he did in summer league is not going to affect that. The Celtics have made a number of moves. They have significantly upgraded their backcourt. There's going to be a different level of competition for playing yep. time for Peyton Pritchard than there was this past season. So to me, <laughs> that's why it struck me as a little bit odd because it would be different if, let's say, the Celtics are running things yeah, back. They did, years and, old. and his playing time was Guaranteed. pretty much locked in, but it's not. It's far from it. And I just think every <laughs> opportunity you get to impress this coaching staff. Keep in mind that, you know, your head coach, who, again, has not – you've not dealt with directly, is in the building. He's watching these games. And whether you're gonna, he's going to hold that against him, I don't think that will happen. But you better believe that's something that, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it's something that's going to think about. Yeah, yeah because – Peyton, and like I said, I, I, I think Peyton's going to be a really good player in this league. He's not going to be – I don't think he'll be great, but I think he's going to be really good. But this, to me, was one of those those cross you know crossroad moments where you either, you know, you do what you know you need to do or you do what you want to do. And he did what he wanted to do. That's the mm. thing. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. I think the main point is I was like – I feel like maybe that's a that's a, a young man's mentality. It's like, oh, they said it's okay. It's like, yeah, but you didn't like think about it big picture wise, you know? Yeah. Like, how does that going to look? They just acquired, you know, Dennis Schroeder. Like that, he plays your position. You know that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, <laughs> and look, we're talking know. about this now on a scale yeah. of one to ten. This yeah. is a two. We'll never bring in terms it up of again, in terms of it mattering. It doesn't right. matter right. deeply. Right. It's just. Right. If given a chance to do it over, the right thing for him to do is probably not to no, not to yeah, ask and, out. And the and, optics are important right now. And like the optics seeing, and yeah, yeah are, with the with the tweets and the other things they're doing to try to change things a little bit here in Boston. Like optics are being emphasized right now. It's pretty clear. Um, so it does matter in that sense. But in terms of the tangible improvement and it mattering to where Pritchard's going, I think is probably a little overrated in the sense like him missing one summer league game. Because he did improve yeah, here. He was better. He was better. He was better. But, again, one of the things that when you look at a, a point guard that is absolutely critical to their success is decision-making. Mm-hmm. And, w- yes, we can talk about it in the context of basketball, but let's be honest. Decision-making goes mm-hmm. beyond just what you do on the court. And this was, again, this was a, this was a, one of those decision-making moments where he could have done what I think he should have should do, or he could do what he wants to do. And as we all know, the two are not all always necessarily one and the same. He did what he wanted to do, and that's fine. But understand that there, there are consequences, good and bad, in every decision we make. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it's just a coincidence that his absolute shittiest game in summer league just so happened to be the one where he came, he left, rejoined the team. And the defense was a it little could bit have been. I mean, they were playing some – so it was tricky the way it lined up because they played two really bad teams. They played two solid teams in Atlanta and Orlando. And I think they faced a team here that was evidently really good um, and a well, matchup in Mitchell that was a really tough one for him. So I do think well, to I don't some be- degree it's coincidental, but 
Yeah, you're right. There's probably something that played into it in terms. This of was going to be a because he was exhausted. Game. He was exhausted. You know what though? You play four games in six nights in the NBA, five games in seven, eight nights. I don't want to hear exhausted. Well, no, I that's don't. the only thing I'm, I'm saying that with the travel and the other thing he did. Well, he also like it. the equivalent of like but a home it, run derby he did in that, the middle. He didn't have to do that. He just got put yeah, out six that shots. shots to do that. He did that to himself. He made that choice. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. This wasn't. This wasn't like you know Commissioner Silver putting out the schedule and and having them play five games. No, he literally made the decision to get his ass on a plane, go play the program, and come back. That was right. his decision. So any fatigue yeah. or, or 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 anything lacking in in his ability to perform, that's on him that's one and and like i said we're 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 getting after him now but i'm like i keep telling you i'm not selling my pritchard stock i'm keeping this let me let's i'm not happy with this let's move off this um so pritchard fine he's got some excuses even though a lot of you know you can you can argue whether or not some of what went on tonight was self-inflicted uh because of his choice to go play you know uh you know a couple of couple of pro-am games back home uh aaron neesmith no no real reason for him to play as as uh, the way he did tonight but it, this was closer to old aaron neesmith than he was, was erratic close. oh yeah this was, this was bad place. versus we'd seen good aaron neesmith which was confidently getting to his spot a little in between game going to the basket when the opportunity was there and you know just being all in all just everything you know slowing things down for him and this was train wreck bull in a china shop aaron neesmith forcing shots um just looked off after a a, a decent start he and the celtics um a lot of that had to do with when the ball stopped moving everybody was all out of sorts and then neesmith was just getting the ball and just trying to chuck threes but you know what we talked about sherrod early was the importance of these guys dominating and playing well as they had in the first four games really, I think, you know, bodes well for the type of season you can expect them to have. And then seeing Aaron take a big step back against this level of competition just reminds you that, you know, how far off he is or how incomplete the project still is. He still has room to grow. There, there's absolutely yeah. no question about that. And he knows that, you know, he, he uh, I think his confidence in his shot is a little bit higher overall than it was before he got here uh but i you know th- this was a, as as much as his shot making was a problem his decision making overall i thought was a bigger issue tonight he had six turnovers yeah and with, with, as, with as many assists as me you jimmy joe sway and bobby manning combined we that's were right. all in the, we, and that's hey, just not i played good. today just not i played i had a few assists today <laughs> in a different game <laughs> love to see that in the pro-am in a pro-am let's, the, the let's manning that, pro-am were you, were, yeah. were you out there guarding our good friend pritchard perhaps probably? yeah anyway smith will be better though i, I he'll have he's going to be up and down but i think there are going to be more ups and downs with him this season because again i think he's just from a confidence standpoint is going to be better and remember at the point that we made about pritchard who has had a lot of double teams thrown his way Neesmith's role is going to be different as well. He's not going to, there's not going to get as much attention once the games actually matter as he got in summer league. But to, to your point, I would like to see him respond to that because when you think about the really good players who are on the rise, they respond in this environment. I remember Terry Rozier's coming out party as a, as a legitimate big money player was because he was busted ass in summer league. He was yeah. killing kids. And so, that's what you were hoping to see with Neesmith. And it just wasn't there and- at the very end. 
and what I will say is, um, you know, w- with Neesmith, you can accept imperfections if he excels at the things he's supposed to be best at. Right. So ultimately, like, yes, defense, uh, you know, uh, you know, an ability to create his own shot and things like that that are going to come a little bit later, fine. But he's got to be a knockdown shooter when, every second he's on the court out there or else he doesn't serve enough of a purpose. The other stuff you can wait as he kind of grows into his game and polishes other aspects of it is we keep making the Jalen comparison. What did Jalen do? He started knocking down corner threes with confidence and he could carve out a role just doing that while he continued to develop and grow other parts of his game. Neesmith does not have enough polish yet to be able to justify extended minutes particularly if he's going to play this poorly defensively um uh, so at the very least he's got to be out there drilling threes and again his release still looks inconsistent you know so many are bad some really misaligned shots misses that you see right out of their hand like that's way right or that's way left you know he airballed one like that fine you can have a two for eight three-point shooting night if you're if you rattle a few in and out and the bounces just didn't go your way but his the misses were hideous you know and uh yeah that's true and which made me more frustrated that he was limiting himself i mean what i liked out of him the most from from these vegas games is the fact that he was able to find other ways to score you know inside the arc whether it was pulling up whether it was attacking the rim getting to the free throw line Mm -hmm. he i didn't see any of that tonight you know, I mean, what was it? Eight, eight out of his ten shots were all from behind the arc. It was like he just looked like the same uncertain rookie that we saw throughout the course of the regular season. Well, that's what happens too when you start to go down. You know, you start to press. You start. You want to try to come back in one shot, and we see it in the NBA all the time. Guys just go, just default to the three-point shot and either chuck their way back in or or chuck their way out of this game. And it was definitely the latter. Uh, I don't think we, you know. John said, "Oh, we we saw the old Neesmith tonight." I don't think we've seen enough of Neesmith one way. Like, we don't have an old Neesmith or a new Neesmith. Like, we just know Neesmith as this streaky player. I mean, that's just kind of what he is right now. He's learning. You know, Shiraz Shiratse, he's got plenty of room to grow. I know after, like, game two or three, we're all like, oh, Neesmith should be in the starting lineup. I mean, obviously, that's, you know, that's jumping the gun a little bit. And to Sherrod's point, you know, once the regular season does start, obviously the focus won't be on Neesmith. You know, he will be able to sort of, you know, of course, maybe sort of not going to say stand in the corner, but he will probably get away with some more open shots, obviously, with Brown and Tatum out there and, you know, Smart, Schroeder, whoever else is out if, there. So. If, J- if Jalen will pass to him this year, that's still it, yeah. the mystery. That That's what they're going to have to figure <laughs> we, out in training. We, didn't, year, see, we right? didn't see it last year, so, you know, we can always <laughs> Well, he hope. has to be introduced to him first. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure he knows he's on I the team. I don't think they know him, yeah. Maybe he, well, maybe he doesn't. Something. He's like, hey, who's this? He was he, he's sitting courtside at Summerlee. Who's this uh, Neesmith guy? Yeah, is this guy with you? He's not well, bad. <laughs> well, if, if, if Yudoka has his way, we're going to see more playmaking out of Jalen and Jason. And, and Neesmith, I think, should be one of the primary benefactors of that. Because that's, he's yeah. in the NBA because of his shot making. That's that's If you had to boil down his skills to one that got his ass here, that's the one. But he's a guy – yeah, but he has to have guys who are going to get him the ball when he's in position to score. And and it'll be interesting to see how Jalen and, and uh, JB handle that this year. Yeah, yeah, I that's. Thought Neesmith, I thought and Neesmith also big money, yes. big money, well, Marcus. Well, and we're gonna we're gonna segue oh, to Marcus because I want we haven't gotten all of your takes yet on Marcus yet. But uh, Bobby, finish up here on. I was Neesmith gonna say Neesmith overall was awesome in summer league yeah, in this Bobby. game. Unlike the unlike the Pritchard one was less of an indictment on him for me because like Sherrod said. 
he had to be set up. The ball handlers were getting blown up in this game. And what he ultimately was able to do had to come from his own. And this week, I thought he did a decent job compared to what we've seen before of setting himself up in between, scoring a little bit more off the dribble, doing some things. I I loved it. The, yeah. the the evolution of Neesmith in terms of seeing him do things we didn't see before um, was a big step. But again, I just got to see him knock down those shots more consistently. If Langford because- had a game, if Langford had a game like this, I don't think we'd have a problem. We'd be like, all right, he's he's getting a little aggressive and trying some stuff here. Yeah, just we've we've seen enough of Neesmith to know when it's off, and this was yeah. a, kind of an off performance for him for sure. Um, we'll segue to Marcus. Bobby and I did this well, yeah. yesterday. That's where Langford's at with us right now. He's he's at the level of bad Neesmith. Yeah, which is bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bobby and I jumped on. We did a show when this was announced last night, but we didn't get takes from Sherrod, Jimmy, and uh, Joe Sway uh, in terms of the Marcus Smart extension. So, guys, we know the deal. Four-year, $77 million extension. Um, you know, that's it. Marcus is your guy. It looks like they consider him part of the future. What that does for the pursuit of any other free agents is going to be a little bit tricky. It doesn't mean they can't, but you're looking at sign-and-trade options. You know, more, more – no, you're looking – sign and trade options or trades uh, to improve your roster along the way. Uh, but this is what we got. So guys, uh, initial, uh, this was reported as something that was in the works a couple weeks ago. So it's not surprising, but now that it's a done deal, what do you think? I like it. It's transparent. It sends a message, you know, Ime Udoka talked about him being a pillar. Talk about the Celtics putting the money where his mouth is, right? You well, know? he had to. <laughs> well, I no, mean, he did. Jimmy, no, he did. one way to look at it. Yeah, he, he did. Day, like you had to show that commitment. I don't to think he had you to. Couldn't, you couldn't have. He to, could have bobbed away around that season. all day long, and nobody you would have been into the, the season without <laughs> that he's going to be the point guard of not only just now but the future. Otherwise, there would have been problems. Come on, guys. Dennis Schroeder's in here. You know, and I'm not saying that the <sighs> three expiring point guards. Hear me out. I'm not buying in on on the rumors or whatever. But I mean, if Marcus Smart going into the season not read up, not sure what the future is with Boston. It just would have been a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. This way, you send the message. You're the point guard of this team. We want you to lead this team. If Bradley Beal or someone's available down the road, if that's something that the Celtics can realistically pull off, maybe that happens. But at the end of the day, the Celtics can put all their chips into that basket. I've never understood that rationale. Line line everything up for Bradley Beal. They they just couldn't. They couldn't. And and had this bridge year with someone like Marcus. Marcus was never going to buy into that kind of situation. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that I I think that none of us are really given a lot of talk about and, and thought to is the difference between Brad and Ime and Brad and Danny was that Danny pretty much did whatever the hell he wanted to in terms of the roster and didn't necessarily do it with what's best for Brad and mine. Remember those first couple of years where he was flip he was flipping players left and right. That was not in <laughs> Brad's best interest. In fact, that made, made that made Brad's job exponentially harder. I think that's the difference what we're saying now. The guys that you're starting to see come into the fold are guys that Udoka wants to coach. And I think Brad is making sure that he's getting the type of players that his new coach wants to coach. And Marcus Smart, Yudoka has seen enough of Marcus Smart through the years to know that this guy is a dog. This is a guy that is going to help us compete. And right now, we don't have a Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Irving. We don't have the guys in Golden State. We don't have all these you know, super megawatt superstars. But we got a dog who gives us a chance to compete and we need to keep him in the fold. We can't have him wondering where does he stand with us? And I, and I think that's a, a big part of why they ponied up, 
gave Mark this show, Marcus Smart. The, they brought the Brinks truck to Marcus Smart. I think the the main reason why they re-signed or they extended Marcus Smart was because that's like the right thing to do based on the way the NBA salary cap is. It makes the most sense to re-sign your players. Uh, it, lo- it gives them value going out of you know their final year. And it allows you to match salaries. Uh, it gives you a player that maybe maybe there's a team that's interested in a player like Marcus Smart. You know, depending on where they are at and in their, you know, where they are at and trying to make the playoffs or whatnot. If they want a player like Marcus Smart who can maybe provide some sort of leadership, if that's what they think he's valuable with, or provide some sort of defense. So you turn a guy who's going to be a free agent into a guy who's got four more years on his deal. Well, now the team you're if if you are interested in trading him now a team on the other end is saying, okay, well, we know we can, we don't have to worry about this guy leaving us immediately. So I think that was the smart thing to do from an NBA standpoint. It doesn't necessarily mean to me that, Oh, the Celtics see Marcus smart on their, on their team for the next you know, five years. Yeah, but Jimmy, I, I've heard, I've heard the notion that they're stuck with him now. And this keeps floating around. If that doesn't come to pass, like, I think everybody agrees that the trade aspect of it was good. If it doesn't come to pass that, he ends up in a deal that they acquire someone by adding him. I don't know if he's a third pillar type player, but he's a really good player who deserves the salary, I think. And he's going to come to prove that. I think deserve doesn't have anything to do with it. It's does it. This is the problem. And again, this is where the conversation gets muddy for people. Everyone's like, Marcus is worth 20 million. Fine. Maybe somewhere else. It's the question is, it does it make sense for the Celtics given the rest of their roster composition and whatever? But that's not Smart's problem. It's not his problem. That's not the point. It the people, the reason people are questioning the wisdom of the signing is does it make sense for the Celtics in whatever direction they're going to go? Does it give them maximum flexibility to be able to get better or does it make them better? Does it do either of those two things? And that's the only question. Too many people are spending money saying this guy got 20. So Marcus deserves it. That's not the, that's not the issue. The issue is, was it smart for the Celtics to sign him? And that's, and and that, and that's, and that's what we're discussing. That's what we, yeah, yeah, and I, I think when you when you talk about what he's what he signed for, that's when you can say, okay, well, what other players are around that money, and say, okay, is this a quote unquote tradable contract? Because remember, a couple of years ago, people were talking about um, what's his name in Indy and how it's an untradable contract. He's making way too much money for what he's worth. And we talk about Ben Oladipo. Simmons, uh, Oladipo, um, the the big guy, the, the right. Turner. You talking about Miles Turner? Miles yeah, Turner? I'm talking about Turner. Oh, okay. yeah. You know, talk, people talk about Simmons and how his contract is just outrageous and untradable. I don't think Marcus Smart's contract is untradeable. So in that sense, I'm not like upset about it. But kind of what John's saying is like, okay, well, we know what Marcus Smart is good at. We know what he's done for this team and what he hasn't been able to do for this team. And now you're kind of bringing the band back together here. Are you doing it because you think they are going to be good enough to, you know, win a championship because that is the goal? Or are you doing it because you want to keep your options open and, and have tradable contracts and tradable assets and be able to match salaries and all that stuff? So I think it's a little bit of both. By extending him, they aren't getting worse. And theoretically, they would get worse if he just walked. We've seen it happen too many times over the last few years. Unless you take that money. That's the real thing you're trying to prevent. Unless you take that money and sign it. But we we know that they can't strip the entire – we've been over this, I think, to the point where it's like they would have to literally get rid of everybody except Tatum and Brown and like – It's less that and it's more, Jimmy, uh, you know, it's not – I agree. I think they did this to hedge because if they can't sign somebody big next year and they lose another talented player like Smart because they right. didn't resign him, then you're just you're just you, you 
you're getting worse, you know, right. you're, but, but could, in a, if you, could you have invested that 20 million into something else that makes you better than Marcus Smart makes you? That's the question. Um, well, here's the question I, I don't, and I asked. don't know that. Yeah. Here's the question we asked in March. Would you rather have Smart right now for what's it going to be? 18, 19 or Gordon for 2021? Cause that's what we're talking about here. Like, the interchangeability for Smart is a guy like Aaron Gordon. Like we can dream all we want about him packaging up to a bigger star, but you're basically going to get a player who's about the same as Smart or worse at that position if you end up moving on from him. Like that's just how it goes. You don't really package guys up. A guy like Smart, mm-hmm. especially, you either get the same thing or worse. So well, like I did, like we yeah. About that too. yeah, Fournier yeah, got four and seventy-eight. He basically oh, got the same. He got the same deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's John brought this up. Right. John brought this up at the end of the show, Joe Sway, and I did say this during the year. Like, if it comes down to smarter Fournier, I was leaning Fournier a little bit. You and were, like, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I disagree with that because I, I just think when it comes to checking those boxes, I mean, you line them up compared to other options that the Celtics had. Marcus Smart wins it. He he went, he checks those boxes in the sense of one, he's in his prime. Two, he, he continues to get better, especially for what he's positioned to do, which is, of course, be the point guard of this team. So I mean, I'm not sure that were, that's a – Well, passing numbers were, were – he. Well, last I want to push back I mean, on yeah, that narrative. He in that role, but he showed that he showed a lot of promise there, and especially, you know, on the defensive side of things, I think that he's going to turn things up a notch in, so, in the sense that he had – Richardson he needs team, to get back Joker. to being the defender. He was his before. numbers he went Joker's up. Defensive background and what he brings to this team, I, I, I just think it all makes sense. Again, yeah. So his numbers went up a little bit because you because of necessity usage. No, um, I get that. But at right. the end of the day, his three point his three point percentage went down. His overall field goal percentage was again under forty, which it is for his career. He is without this isn't hyperbole. He is one of the two or three worst volume shooters in the league. Um, it, it's a fact. It just is. For a man, he shot almost six threes a game. There's nobody with a lower percentage who shot more threes, I don't think, or maybe one other player in the league who shot that many or more with a lower percentage. It's He's a horrible shooter. Okay. And, and, and so that's not so, necessity, though. So that, that's key. It, it is. And, and what I said in the show and what I'll say here is Marcus Smart – I believe Ime has planted seeds along the way of we, we, we're going to put the ball in his hands. He's going to be a point guard. The Marcus Smart contract to me, and again, it is almost – you can't write it into the contract. You can't shoot 10 threes. But it really <laughs> is contingent upon him embracing a totally new role with this team and one that he hasn't had. He's going to have to be better to earn that money. Where he is now is fine. But I don't think he's exceptional, and I don't think he's a twenty million dollar guy. And when, when, as soon as you start talking about smart, when you have to immediately it's start talking defense, about uh, intangibles and leadership, that's a way that you're trying to convince yourself that it was worth it. He exactly. Can, he can all, earn it if he turns himself into a pass first distributing point guard who's playing intense defense. You know, uh, every I, single I, second that he's out there. But this the version we, of smart, if he goes out there and sometimes decides he wants to shoot a ton, and sometimes decides and, and he kind of plays it you know the way he wants to play it he's going to be an, a frustrating player and then people will start questioning whether it was you know a, a a great a great deal i think he actually 
he has to evolve. I think he's got to be better. I think he's got to be a different version of himself. You got to get better if you're making more money. That's for certain. And I, I like he's not making that much happy. more money, which is good because then he only has to mildly improve. It's we talked about this yesterday. The fact that he was capped at 77 <clears> was really good because once you got beyond that, it was going to get a little trickier. But that's the most they could actually give him, and I think it ended up working out to a number that was pretty fair for both sides. Sherrod, you're trying to get in here. Go ahead. No, no, I. I at the end of the day, I think the Celtics are in a position where Marcus is what you need. I mean, Marcus, to me, when you look at him at Fournier, I think you, you got the, the distinction is Marcus is the one you love. Fournier is the one you like. If you got to pick one or the other, who are you going to go with? You're going to go with the one you love. And and they love what Marcus brings to the table. They like what Fournier brought to the table. I don't think they loved it. For what they, they didn't have the history. So here's the tricky thing about that. What they need is emphasized by what they've lost here because he's in a bigger role than he should be. If you're just talking, I mean, Fournier made more money than Smart for a reason because I think he's just a better overall player, like top to bottom, which stinks because you really need where Fournier brought to the table too. You need both of these guys, which like if this came down to tax, we, when, if we get back to that thing, like come on. To keep both, you know, like we don't even have to pick and choose here. We might just be in a situation where we're doing this because of the whole tax thing. The only thing that I thought could have gotten in the way there possibly is the hard cap. If you are bringing You'd in see, You would have had to move some money for sure. You yeah. would have had to do a lot more complicated things to bring in Beal down the line. Now, let's say they don't get Beal. You suddenly look back on this and say, all right, you would have had a pretty good team if you kept Smart and Fournier and you didn't do it. So I think you keep both and figure it out later because you can always move money around later if a guy wants to come here. And frankly, the only way they're going to get Beal at this point is if he really wants to come here because this gets rid of the cap space. And what does that say to you, Sherrod, the fact that they did this whole cap space thing all summer and then they just kind of wiped it out with this move here? They're not convinced, not even close to being convinced that Beal is, is going to want to come here. They're not convinced that they're going to and get – And that's where I'm at too. On- yeah, they're not convinced that there's going to be a guy that'll be available that they can just immediately pounce on and bring into the fold. And I think part of that is just frankly looking at the track record. When was the last time a guy became available in the season that you knew absolute with with near absolute certainty wanted to be a Celtic? You know, the closest thing to that was Gordon Hayward. Gordon, and, I and guess. Really, and, and to be yeah. honest, if Gordon would have made you know an all NBA team that last year in Utah, I'm not convinced that he would have came to Boston because Utah would have offered him a supermax. The extra thirty million, yeah. yeah. Look, Miami yeah. was an so, option too, but yeah. Exactly, it, Miami to the point where he actually visited Miami. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just them picking up the phone and hollering at your agent. He actually looked into that as a possibility. Yeah. So Robin was. We maybe. No, I'm just kidding. We, I'm kidding. Like I said, I think this is hedging your bets here. You're hedging your bets a little because you didn't want to be yeah. left with nothing. And this is the best player they had in their estimation, and they said. They took. A, they picked. We'll we'll we'll, yeah, we'll resign Marcus. We're not gonna. We're not gonna resign. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm fine with. I'm. All right, go ahead. Sorry, Jim. No, I was gonna say quickly. I'm fine with them choosing Marcus over Fournier. If that, if it really come down with that, I. But they didn't have to. They didn't have to, but somebody obviously. It sounds like they did. It sounds like they felt they did. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, they had to. So right, because they they must have just known. They made up their minds. We're not gonna. Whatever it takes to sign him, we're not going there. The and other they, thing, they didn't even bother. The other thing I'll disagree with Joe Sway, and I know Bobby feels this way too, is that they, they felt they, need, they needed to sign Marcus Russell. He would have pouted, pouted his way. throughout. I, the I totally season. disagree with that too. 
I just feel yeah, like that's so that's such a little like that's such a but little baby that's thing. He like, these athletes, guys are professionals. Athletes like, play in contract years all yeah. the time. No, some of them, they, every some time of a player like free agency, some like, of them like the it. last year. Some yeah. of them like you, it. You know what I think? I, I think what would have happened was anytime he played a bad game, that would be the narrative that we in the media would run with. We'd say, yeah. Oh, well, you know, Marcus, he's three for seventeen because he's pounding about about us. Yeah, and that's bullshit. And and he knows that's bullshit, and we know that's bullshit. Yeah. He yeah. plays hard every game. He does not always play smart. He does not always play great. But his effort 99 out of 100 times is going to be at a level that you want from your players. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and and to me, if you're the Celtics and you know that your only shot of exceeding expectations this year is to play with great effort, why wouldn't you invest in the one guy that you know night in, night out is going to give you that one character trait? It's worth the investment. I would agree with that. Sure. It's worth the investment, I, I think. And also, here's another thing, guys. I, I feel like the, the old school, like, okay, save enough cap space and then go get them mentality just doesn't always work. I mean, ask the Miami Heat when they, they tried to line things up for Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, luckily they recovered, but in this situation, I don't know if the Celtics would have. Yeah, if they was, lined up all their chips and then they, you know, Bradley Beal just wasn't an option, whether he was staying there or whether he decided to go play somewhere else. And I think this, this, this is a smart move for the Celtics to do. You know, maybe he might be the wrong team to ask. Even if it is Bradley Beal, or even if it's you know another top tier free agent out there, let's face it. Nowadays, if a player wants to go play somewhere, they're going to say it. You know, and I just feel like that's going to be. It's already been the track record across the NBA, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue that way. You know, if Bradley Beal really wants to be here, he's going to say, "Look, I want to go to Boston and play with Jason Tatum next summer. Sign a trade, make it happen." And I think if the the Celtics are truly interested in something like that, then they're going to find a way to make it happen. I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, I think you diminish your chances when you're uh, trying to position yourself, you know, financially, when you just don't know how, how an NBA player is going to think in the, in the year, you know, it's just, it's just too, things change so quickly in the NBA, you know, throughout is, a, a this, few months, never mind a whole year. This is so important too. Cause I remembered that uh, Jake Fisher told me this last week on Dome Theory that, that super max extension for Beal might be his target right now, you know, and that if everybody's coming to the realization now that Beal is going to stay in Washington and at least to just get that thing down on paper. And then if he has to make a decision after that, that would kind of explain this loyalty that we've all kind of questioned over the last couple of years to Washington. Um, the fact that he can sign for 217 million or whatever it's going to be. And if he has to take that contract elsewhere after that, he can do that, but he would be foregoing massive amounts of money to sign out right in Boston next year. So the Celtics, frankly, and Jimmy actually started off this whole conversation saying this, they had to do this if they want to get to that Beal number eventually, just in terms of contract matching. Sham said there's a trade kicker in here, which helps a lot too. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it helps smart. He's going to make a lot more money if he does get traded, and it helps with matching purposes, I believe, as well, if uh, you have a trade kicker in there. We've been over but this how- a ton. I am very dubious. Kicker? Uh, it goes up a couple million per, you know, or whatever per year or something like but that. But it's either that or you trade Brown, John, and we've been down that. Road. I know, but that's not what we're doing. The the smart thing again, I do I do not believe a team that's dumping a player and going for a rebuild wants right. wants four years and twenty two million dollars per year of character, you know, and and leadership. Not- it just isn't worth it if you're if you're trying to reset your table. Unless and- they think they can trade them. You know, to no, another I, team that does. Yeah. 
I think Marcus is is pretty much locked in for at least two years, at least yeah. two years in his new deal before any team would seriously contemplate trying to make a move to get him, which for Marcus is great. I mean, he wants to be here, obviously, and now he's getting the money that he has wanted. And, and so to me, he doesn't have any reason to bitch about anything at this point. I mean, he's got his money. He's got his, his status. The, probably the only thing that Marcus would probably want that he hasn't had yet is to be named a captain. Uh, which again, I, I you know I, I've, I, Brad and Danny Ainge they have their own theories about not needing that. I think you do, I think you do. I, I think it. it I helps. think it. I think it works if uh, Tatum and Brown believe he's their leader. But if right. each of those guys, if each of those guys is like, I'm kind of the leader. Like Jalen Brown, if Jalen Brown is an All Star, borderline All NBA level player who also. Uh, plays with passion, is 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 smart, is a leader in a lot of different ways, and might be thinking like, "You think this guy's a better choice for captain than me? Like I'm Jalen freaking nah, Brown. Nah, like Jalen needs to start getting in people's faces before he before he gets. Well, that's yeah, fine. We know that. But if I'm if I'm Jalen or Jason, and I'm thinking like I'm a you're going to tell LeBron that friggin', you know, Schroeder is going to be the captain of the team. Like you'd be like, yeah, give me a break, you know, or you're going to tell Kawhi that Patrick, that year. How about this? You're going to tell Kawhi Patrick Beverly's the captain. Get the out of here. Beverly. Wow. I'm Kawhi freaking Leonard, you know, like, uh, you know, so they, those guys have to buy into him as a captain in order for that to work. And I, and I feel like a captain thing aside, like that, that's kind of been my question over the last few years is, it seems like there's there's drama with with this group, you know, at the end of every season, and I don't know whose fault it is or if there's a lack of leadership, but it does definitely feel like the guys at the top are kind of clashing at times. And I'm not saying that based on anything I know personally, just just from watching them play on the court and what we've heard happen, you know, in the locker rooms and such. So I'm interested to see if anything changes with a new head coach or if you know all these guys have new deals now. If that changes anything, I don't know, but. Everyone's so quick to say, oh, like, you know, these guys, you know, Marcus, leadership, this, leadership, that's like, it feels to me like there's been some leadership issues, to be completely honest. So I'm not really so so quick to, like, name all these guys captains yeah. and leaders. It's like, when, I haven't even really That's because there's not one. When the entire <laughs> when, issue. When the number right. one <laughs> issue... Yeah, the number one issue with the team all of last year was inconsistent effort and not showing up for some games. That's a leadership void. Right. Marcus was on that team, and you're almost wondering, like, hey, Marcus, why can't you pull these guys out of it? You he know, was trying it, hard. It's I like the saying, really like, was. if you have if you have five jobs, you have no jobs. It's like if you have five captains, you you don't have a captain. Listen, we know what Smart brings. It. He's been here a lot longer than any of these other guys, and that playoff appearance thing. I know it kind of got rubbed off, but. Like he's play, he plays big roles in these teams, and it's I think it's the fact that it's defense that you guys are missing here. Like it's so easy to just wash away defense, and a thing a guy like him does on every night on the defense. No, I get it. I've been told Marcus Smart is good at defense. (laughs) I know, but that stuff's important to being a consistent team. Listen, I think it's a lot easier to jump on a guy's field goal percentage and all that kind of stuff. Like I think we know what's smart every single year you're going to get pretty great defense out of him. And it finally slipped just a little bit last year. But when he was out there, they were by far at their best defensively. Then, Like I said, without him. My, my Marcus hopes are he embraces the role of, of, of more playmaker, doesn't feel that he has to do too much, get, gets back to being, you know, a, a night in, night out, fully healthy. You're right. He did suffer a significant injury last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get, you know, comes in 
you know, great shape, ready to roll. You know, I'm the guy. I'm playing defense. I'm gonna be friggin', you know, you know, b- b- you know, Running back to my old ways, 100. percent But you know, offensively, as I said, is plays a more controlled game, more within himself. No wild swings and turnovers and nights where he's jacking a ton of threes. You know, embrace the role of you are our point guard. Last year, it was Kemba a little, and then you a little, and then sometimes you were on the bench, and sometimes you were starting. You're the starting point guard. Go. And I want to see what that's like. And and, and it might be, you know, like I said, I said it yesterday, we might see a better version of Smart than we've seen before, because for the first time ever, he actually has a very defined role. The role before was come off the bench and just act crazy for uh, the entire time that you're out there and impact the game in any way possible. Now he's got a job. Your job is run the team you know it's a different mm. it's a different set of responsibilities where he I doesn't have to wear a thousand hats over, i yeah. think he's been overdue yeah. for this job because this is stuff he's really good at point of attack defense and um you know the playmaking which i think is outstanding for him i just when we get to his downsides and this is what drives me crazy because we've talked a lot about ben simmons on this show he does the things everyone wants ben simmons to do and it's it's proposed as like a bad thing that he's aggressive with his shot and he makes guys guard him and stuff like that because i think he has played a way that simmons would unlock his game a lot more by doing and well i think no it's it's not though that's the thing is we give smart a bit of a pass and we kind of brush off the not a great shooter thing uh when we're just not acknowledging he's not just not a great shooter it's it's really bad you know like but is it is it is it worse to be bad and not do it at all because he could be andre but i'm saying i'm saying we were pretty critical of josh richardson coming in here and his shooting numbers are overall better than smarts and we've labeled him as a guy who can't shoot what good is he well also he will attract some attention and he will take some open shots he's not a dead-eye knockdown shooter but you know, we're very quick to point out his deficiencies. Marcus's aren't just deficiencies. This isn't a guy who's shooting 42% from the field and like, you know, third, you know, his, his three point percentage dipped down to 33% last year and he's sub 40% for his field goals. And he's that way for his career. That's really low. I mean, it's really an inefficient offensive player when he tries to score. So the guy the guys who have similar shooting type numbers at his volume are not guys we would be praising right now it just it it is what it is it is it it's a degree or two too bad to ignore it is but it also draws defense the way in which he plays and i think that's how he's kind of crafted himself into a good playmaker here and you know prevented himself from becoming andre roberson ben simmons these kind of guys where and rajon rondo frankly where you could just sit in the post, put your arms out like this, and dare a guy to shoot. Yeah, I don't see many guys daring smart to shoot. Now, within the system, you may try to bump up his uh, attempts within the flow of a night, but I think the Celtics have been a very good team. Specifically like I said, in the playoffs. His, his career numbers are 37-32. It's, it's really, really bad. It's really he's bad. Been, he's been really good in the playoffs. I just think this team needs something oh, different. God. I mean, the, and the people whole, are saying he's a shooter today. No, he had one outlier year, guys. He had one outlier year where he hit about thirty six percent on his threes. But other than that, he is what he is. He's about. I feel, a, like, I feel like John, you want another like score first point guard in here? Uh, I don't know if that's the if that's the right thing for, for Tatum and Brown right now. You know? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that. I'm saying that it what, is not his contract. It's not quite. It's so you have Rondo who won't shoot. 
Um, and that would be a problem because defenses would pack in and or sure ben, ben Simmons or, or a Ben Simmons, but then you have a Marcus who will shoot, but does it poorly. Um, mm. And then, so it's a question of our criticisms of Marcus were always, okay, it's fine. He doesn't have to be a dead eye shooter. He should knock down the ones where it swings to him open, you know, uh, and when it's in the flow of the game and just be very selective with his shots, but not look for it per se. When he gets in trouble is when he starts to trend into the 10, 11, 12, 13. The, the magic yep. number was the 13 field goal attempts. And every time over that, that the team's record was awful. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Yes. If Marcus is taking three, two or three, three pointers a game, it's a different story. But if he's taking six, seven, eight, you know, then it starts to become then that the, the, when you're a volume shooter and you're shooting at that low percentage, it starts to become an issue. Right. But I, I just think most of those cases is, is when there's there's no Kemba Walker. There's no you know, there, there wasn't a Fournier. I feel like his numbers, his, his, his attempts went down a bit once at least Fournier was there. You had other options. Yeah, I think. When, yeah. We'll see what happens with Richardson, but at least that that's an excuse for him not to take those shots, right? I mean, Richardson's going to have a lot of open looks, and, and I do think he'll be successful here. I'm not quite sure if he'll be able to, you know, exceed expectations, but he's someone I think will give you a, 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 a much of a boost on both ends, you know, as well as he is on, on defense. I think he's going to knock down those open shots as well. Yeah, and Joe Sway said it. Like, he, when he finally became a point guard a lot more last year because Kemba was out a lot, he did a really good job with it in terms of the assist numbers and setting guys up and everything else. Like he was, he was pretty good last year. Now I, he does, I'd rather see him really dominating defense and doing all this offensive stuff we're talking about. Cause that's where we did, I think generally agree slipped up a little bit last year, but you know, you have more personnel around you now that contributes to a defensive system. I don't think he has to overcompensate as much as he did in the past. So I think he's in a pretty good position to succeed next year, aside from the spacing. And that's where still, Losing Fournier really kills me through this whole process. It's why we're trying to shoehorn Neesmith into the starting lineup for that very reason. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it may not be the case. Um, Sherrod, any, anything to close on Marcus here before we wrap it? No, no. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, his contract is, is certainly in line with what I think. You got You can't look at the numbers where they are today. You got to think about how is this going to look two, three years down the road? And at that point, you know, the Celtics will, I think, have pretty good value for that. And if they feel that they don't, they can move it because it it will have the ability to get them something in return of substance uh, beyond a damn TPE. I'm tired of the damn TPE. Oh, my God. Oh, it, TPE, it, 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 could I you just, imagine getting a TPE we got another one. here for Smart? <laughs> I can't, and I don't want to. Two things I won't talk about. Two things we're not talking about on this show tonight. The TPE and Carson Edwards. Okay. Didn't we joke at the end of last year that we'd be doing it again, and here we are. No. (laughs) We didn't actually think we would be. No. No, we're not doing it. Uh, in fact, I think we can probably wrap it all up. We the Celtics Celtics lose their uh, championship. Uh, rough game for Pritchard. Rough game for Neesmith. It's past midnight. Jimmy's got. It's the school day for Jimmy. It's a homeschool day for Jimmy. Homeschool day for Jimmy. Yeah. Gotta walk downstairs and get ready for homeschool. So, homeschool nighter ahead. Yeah, homeschool day for Jimmy. So he's got a boogie. Um, so we're gonna wrap it too. Uh, but thanks for hanging out. We might, we're not going to take a break. We'll still do once a week at least. And when there's news, but we have a little bit of a lull here in our schedule. What's the next like date? I mean, we do have some September 28th, I think is training. We got about a month yet to go. We got about a month. So we'll still hang and we'll be here announce news. They did announce, um, Celtics Bucks Christmas day games. So that'll be fun. Yes. And I believe the first game, uh, first game of the season, 
I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. Celtics. Celtics Bucks has to be the twelve o'clock game, right? That's no, gonna be the first game. It has to be the second one. It's the second Close. one. Uh, okay. Second one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's well, that's not bad. Uh, all right. Two thirty. You'll you'll just you're gonna have to. I don't know. Two thirty is tough. It's like. A lot of people eat around that. All right, it's all I guess. We're not talking about Chris. A lot of people about eat around that time. Like that's like early dinner. That. I'm not losing sleep over my Christmas plans right now. We're gonna call it a night. <laughs> so, thanks for hanging out. Um, really good audience uh, and uh, good interaction and engagement throughout the summer league. Believe it or not, you know. Um, so that was that was Forget cool. Christmas. We gotta have the Garn Report golf outing soon. We'll, that's we'll gonna happen too. Highlights and stuff from that. Hey, let's do it. We'll, we'll do a garden report from the golf course. Um, and that's it. So, yeah, all again, Sherrod, right. uh, Jimmy, Josue, Bobby, uh, follow all of these guys on Twitter and all their good work and all of their podcasts. Sherrod's got uh, a list coming out, I think, tomorrow. Dome Theory, Causeway Street. Um, and of course, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, follow us, Celtic CLNS. We will see you guys uh, next time something happens. We'll see you when we see you.